today's scripture reading comes from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 5 through 18. Second Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 18. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and brings us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Through our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed every day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I'm still not used to this. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a, I always feel I'm a little like, like being on a stage, a little strange. And then like, you know, I used to be able to see most of you and now I kind of have to look around. And so if you fall asleep on me, I can't tell. Um, and uh, I, I just want praise team. Thank you so much. That was um, fantastic. Really fantastic. Um, and I was thinking, this is Alex's first shot at leading praise. Dude, it rocks. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, anyway, um, thank you so much. Uh, you know, just thank thank you guys, uh, Trinity Church. Well, thank you, Revive Church, walking with Trinity Church. You know, to be here in this space and. Um, I know last week you know, there was all this like buzz and excitement. You could just like feel it. <laughs> it was just like the emotion level of the room was like this. And it's, it's not low today, but it's a little, tip, it's a little bit more tempered today. But um, I actually feel more happy today. <laughs> I feel, last week I think I just felt like I had about like 30 things in my mind. Going, like, I hope everything goes right. Everything goes right. And then, but today I, I just feel just more ready to just worship. And um, yeah. Um, Let's get into the passage. Um, this is a big time passage. Um, we are, you know, obviously I can't preach through the whole thing in one shot. So we, I'm letting you read, hear the passage every week. We're going to, you know, go through pieces of this um, each week in this series. And um, I deliberately chose this passage. Uh, it's probably too big for me, but it has some of my favorite stuff. And in a lot of ways, today I want to pick up from where I left off last week, which is that our church would be a church that would have glorious vulnerability. And we live in, we live in this place called Silicon Valley, and um, there literally may only be about five places in the world whose weather is as good as ours. <laughs> Do you know that? Maybe three. <laughs> um, and this is... I think, it's, I think we're now the most expensive place in the country. Um, I, I was looking at the numbers. I was, there was an article in the San Jose Mercury because I get the Sunday paper. And it was talking about the median house, house price in San Francisco. And, and it's worse here, okay? It's, it's you know, better, worse, worse, okay? It's worse. And everything about this place is about... Um, you know, we is, 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 uh, is, we're great and we're going to just have, uh, everything is perfect here and we can have, um, we can just move from victory to victory to victory. If you can live here and you can have the money and you can just have all the success, 
This is the lottery ticket of all the world in history, right? Well, why would the people who have the lottery ticket of all of history, the luckiest, luckiest, luckiest few, to live in the place with the perfect weather and have enough money and, and just have all the great success and all the great opportunities, well, why do they need God? Why do they need God? And, but somewhere along the line, what they're going to find out is um, that life is not just victory to victory to victory. Life is uh, afflicted. Life has hurt. And inside we're afraid and um, we're weak and things can break us down. Because this is a fallen world. This is, that's, that's, the, that's the language that Christian theologians have used over the world. And that means your life is not going to be victory to victory to victory. It's not what it's going to mean. That in the sin-sick world, uh, life is going to get you, even if you're a billionaire. <laughs> even if you're a billionaire. Uh, and you get to live in you know, the most expensive places in this place. Life is going to get you. And, so, and then, of course, most of us aren't that. And then whether you are the poorest person in our county or the richest person in our county, and the richest person in our county is <laughs> one of the richest people in the world, um, you know what they really need? They need to know that there's a God who could be there when they're dying. <laughs> That's why. So, you know, it's kind of a big, heavy thing to be talking about, but... I want to sow this word into your hearts. This is a really powerful and huge word. And I want this to be what, what Revive is about. And we're not going to go out there because we're so much smarter or we're so much richer or so much better looking and we drive better cars. Is that how we're going to win people to Jesus? Of course not. We're going we're to lead with our vulnerability. But inside this vulnerability, what the Bible says is clay. See, clay is common stuff. It's not worth much. But it says that we who we are, we're a jar of clay. But inside is a treasure. And in this treasure, it can do incredible things when people are dying. Because that's what it's done for us. The treasure is Jesus. Jesus is the God who comes for the dying. Right? Um, three parts to today's message, which I've entitled Affliction to Divine Love. It's kind of a big uh, idea. Affliction to Divine Love. Part one, facing affliction through union with Christ's death. Right? It's kind of how I ended last week's message, but I want to pick up there. Facing affliction through union with Christ and his death. Right? Part two, af afflicted in order to love. This part is, um, it's, it's really one of the most deep and amazing things, and it might kind of scare you. <laughs> okay, it scares me. Um, it might scare you. Afflicted to, in order to love. And then part three, I want to close by talking about helping others defeat deaths and losses with the bigger treasure of Christ. Helping others defeat their deaths so we don't just only experience one death. There's a lot of dying and losses with the bigger treasure of Christ, right? Um, let's turn off by, um, okay, even this lighting is a little off for me, okay? All right, here we go. Let's start off by, by uh, going to this verse, verse 7, right? We have this treasure that is the treasure of being able to look into the glory of God through the face of Jesus, um, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. Say, so it's not you and me. It's not because how strong we are, how cool we are, how glorious we are. We're clay, but it's okay to be clay, right? But inside of us is God. The glory of God in the face of Jesus, right? Um, and then it says this strange thing. Verse 8 we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Let me say that again. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You get perplexed, but you are not driven to despair. This is a, 
This is the word of the apostles, and this is the kind of ministry and power he wants to spill out into the world through the church. And this is the gift that I would like you to receive, that we would all receive, and that this is the gift that we can offer to our neighbors. Now, I want to start by just asking this for a little bit. Um, I, I know most of you, you know, we live in this time of, of helicopter parenting. <laughs> um, some people call it snowplow. Uh, that, that, okay, my, my, I didn't know this term. My wife told me, she goes, there's this new term. It's called snowplow parenting. And so what they do is like, you know, you guys know, you guys live on the West Coast, so you, you don't know what a snowplow is, okay? Um, but, but I have lived in where, where you need a snowplow, and that's like a machine that, you know, you can't, get to the, your, you can't get to the street from, from your house because there's just, you know, there, there, may be, there may be like two feet of snow, and so you have to pull out this machine, and goes, you know, all this snow shoots out, and it clears the way, and you have this nice pathway to get to where you need to go. But um, helicopter parenting and then the worst version of snowplow parenting is, my child is special, <laughs> and they're never going to have to suffer, okay? And we're going to protect them and protect them. And so first, we're going to make sure they learn everything the right way, and then we're going to snowplow it out, and then we will bribe Harvard. <laughs> and then we will bribe Harvard, you know, like coaches, so that you will go to the top school, and everything will, you will, you will leap from victory to victory. People think that you can actually do this in life. But the Bible says we are afflicted in every way. You know, um, some people think in this society it's a, that, that uh, those people who are poor or those people who are hurting, I'm not hurting. I wonder what's wrong with them. Do any of you guys ever think like that? You ever met around people like that? I bet you we've all been like that. <laughs> we've all been like that. Maybe not in, that, in this ridiculously kind of gross and crude way, but we have such little compassion and mercy, and empathy, and, um, and you ever wonder, like, uh, you see somebody begging in, on, 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 on certain intersections in our city, or um, some of the, you know, a couple of the guys, you know, in this church, we've gone and visited uh, the homeless in, in, the, in the tent encampment, and sometimes, you know, it seems kind of like obvious why they may have ended there, because sometimes you meet someone, and they could, you could tell they have some uh, have a drug issue, you go, oh, this is why you're in this tent, because you, you're a bad person with a drug issue. Do you, do, you, do you think like that? Or maybe you can, have you ever asked one other extra question? Why is it that led you to maybe doing the drugs and then led you to decide that living in a tent in one of the most expensive, the most expensive city in America is about as, as is what you're going to settle for? You ever think this, that if you live this in, in their shoes, that you could be in that tent? <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the young men that we met you know, at, this, at the homeless tent encampment, um, uh, his father had abandoned him. His mother was a drug addict. And then he had an uncle and he was from like some other part of the country. And then he somehow ended up in the most expensive city in America. And then what, he came with his uncle and then his uh, uncle abandoned him. And you had a sense this guy had a drug issue. And um, you think you might, you might have a drug issue if that was your life? And now maybe that's not it. You know, thankfully, hopefully not, nothing like that as bad as that will ever happen to you. But, you know, even if everything seems like it's going to be perfect, you know, you're still afflicted. You're still afflicted. Your boss is a total jerk. <laughs> uh, you didn't get into the college you want, and you're not sure if it was fair. <laughs> um, you, your, your friends, your friend, at, uh, your friend at your school or at work, they were really cool to you for the last two years, and then somehow some other cooler people came along, and then, then for no good reason, they dumped you. You're afflicted. <laughs> I'm not trying to just trying to make this stuff up, am I? Is this this, this is? Have, can you relate? Can you relate to this? Who in this room can't relate to this? 
You're a teenager. I bet, you, I bet you you can relate. If you got to the age of 16 and this, nothing like this has ever happened to you, whoa, you're really, really lucky, right? But just wait. It'll happen next year. <laughs> okay, so congratulations. You can join the rest of uh, us, right? And then it'll happen the year again after that and the year again after that. And the year after that will really suck. It'll, it'll be like five or six afflictions. Brothers and sisters, one of the things I want to say is like this world tells you a, a total ridiculous, big, fat, like lie from hell. Your life can be somehow snow plowed <laughs> so you can have just much, plenty of money and you're going to just meet the love of your life and you're never going to have any problems. And then you're going to afford one of these houses. <laughs> okay, some of you are like, well, okay, okay, whatever. We'll just go find some great suburban house in another city, Okay but it'll, that'll stress you out too. And, and then everything will look like it's going to be great. And then um, you'll have two children and then dad will find a lump and then you got cancer. We know a family, when we were living in Philadelphia, they started becoming friends um, because they sent their kids to the same preschool as us. They, they were Korean American and we were Korean American and like, Everybody else at the, at the preschool was white and, and, and a few black children. And so, you know, it just, you just kind of like hit it off. They were Christian, we were Christian. And then one day, you know, we were hanging out with them and they had two children and they saw that we had number three. You know, Elizabeth was a baby. And then they said, hey, be honest. Be honest. How, how is it? Because they were scared to have number three because having had two really stressed them out. And so they're saying, be honest. And we said, Actually, um, we're, we're not making this up. It's, it's easier because you actually kind of know what you're doing. <laughs> and, um, and your other two kids, you know, they, they, they adore their, their baby sister and then their baby sister just, let, you know, wants to chase after their, uh, their older two. That's what it's like. So it's actually more fun than ever. They were like, really? So then six months later, she's pregnant and he is dying of cancer. It was real. A few months later, he was gone. He was gone. Baby number three, never got to know dad. That was unbelievable. Um, every now and then, you know, the, the, the wife, she's a Facebook friend, and uh, every now and then when I see her post, I, I think about that. Now think about that. Let me ask you this. That could happen to you. In a room this size, it is going to happen to somebody in this room. Or worse. Uh, you know, what's worse than that? Well, because it'll be your child that has that disease. You'll have three children, and one of those children will have that disease and you will have to bury your baby. And this is going to rip you apart. <laughs> and if you're a billionaire, all your money cannot protect you from that affliction. There is no way. <laughs> now, Susan, why are you getting so dramatic? <laughs> why are you getting so dramatic? I mean, like, this isn't going to happen to me, is it? Really? You sure? The first part I want to talk to you about is can you handle it? And then, and then any other kind of suffering that may be not as, I mean, that's really, really hor horrific. I mean, but it, it's a, you know, in a room this size, in a room this size, um, one, one of you, more than one of you, your spouse is going to cheat on you. That's not, that's not just a number, okay? That's not a statistic. Some of you will be that statistic, except you're not a statistic, Inside, you're dying. You're going to die. You're going to be dying. <laughs> the day the one that you marry tells you, I don't love you because I'm with him. I'm with her. You know? That's going to happen. <laughs> that's, that's way more common than the other stuff I just told you about. And... What are you going to do? What can, you, can you handle it? Afflicted, but not crushed. 
I mean, if that happened to me, <laughs> I would be afflicted. And you, you know what's happening inside? On the outside, you look like clay. You know what's happening inside? You're dying. You're dying. Your soul, your spirit, your heart, your hopes, your mind, you're just dying. Why do you think there's so much depression in our society? Why do you think there's so much addiction in our society? Why do you think there's so much denial and avoidance in our society? In our society, we actually want to believe this crazy fat lie that somehow, like, everything could be snowplowed, and God is bad if he doesn't snowplow your life to make it all, like, super nice. This is so wrong. Real life has affliction. But when it happens, when it happens, not if it happens, when it happens, will you be crushed? Will you be crushed? Or you not be crushed? That's, that's an important question. It's a really, really important question in life. It's important at age 12. It's important at age 22. You just get older and older, and the afflictions actually get worse. They actually get worse. They don't get better. They get worse. You have some resource that where you will not be crushed. But you know what this passage shows you? There is. There is. And I want to teach you a really important piece of theology, right? And I, I, I gave you a piece of this last week. You said, if you believe in Jesus... You know, this is a, the way my professor at, at Westminster Seminary told me. He's like, the, the, the best thing you get when you believe in Jesus is union with Christ. All right. Okay, that sounds nice. That sounds like seminary talk, right? Okay, and then he, he, he added even further. I, um, I, I gave a, se a session of our membership class today. Union with Christ. If you have Christ, you have, you know, at the center of the Bible is Jesus. At the center of the center of the Bible is the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is my professor, Richard Gaffin. He says, you have union with Christ and his death and resurrection. You have a union with Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. You know what that means? So it says here in this passage, it says this really wild thing. Verse 10, always carrying in the body, this body, your body, my body, the clay body. What do you carry in this body if you believe in Jesus? Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in the clay, this body. That's the gospel. That's what the, that's what the, that's what the gospel is teaching you. So if you're united to Jesus, you get his death. When this is happening, you know what's happening? You're dying. Your death is happening. And in this life, there isn't just one death. There's a lot of dying. There's death and dying. There's a lot of deaths. People experience deaths. Sometimes somebody else dies and then they literally die. You bury them and inside of you, something is dying. You put your hope in some kind of a job or like some kind of house and then it all comes crashing down and you put such hope in this thing and then inside of you, you're dying. I mean, um, uh, I, when, my, when I was in, in college and then I told my parents that I wasn't going to be a doctor, <laughs> um, well, basically all hell broke, broke loose when I told my parents that, right? But then about two years later, my mom told me something um, that was really interesting. My mom's a really godly person, deeply loves Jesus. She told me, I woke up the next morning after you told me that and I didn't want to work. <laughs> and then the next morning after that, I lied in bed for two hours. I didn't want to work. Why? Because her hope was we're going to come to America. I'm going to snowplow the way for my son. <laughs> He's going to get into some hotshot school. That part worked out. And then hotshot son came home and said, ain't going to be a doctor. He's going to, get a, he's going to become a doctor. And then his life is going to be awesome. And then that hope came crashing down. And you know what happened? Every single morning for about six months, for one of the most godly people I know, she was dying because her hope died because her son, stupid son, <laughs> said, I want to be a doctor. 
which, which was actually a really good decision, by the way. <laughs> um, but she thought I was completely crazy. If you have a lot of deaths that have to happen, and there will be, you will have deaths happen inside of you. But then, that's really, really important that there's another death with you. If you unite to Jesus, his death is in you. That's really important. So let me ask you this question. How do you think of God Jesus? How do you think about Jesus? You all have an imagine, you know there's a real Jesus. But you all in your mind have a theological construct of Jesus. <laughs> you have a picture of Jesus in your mind, right? I mean, he's actually real. You probably, I don't know, do you, I, you, you've seen all the paintings of Jesus, right? And um, so I'm not sure which painting of Jesus you favor, right? Or actually, if you even think about his face at all, which you should because the glory of God is in that face according to this passage. So of course, you and I, none of us have a perfect picture of the face of Jesus. But when you're praying to him, and I hope you pray to him regularly, and you're thinking about that face. What is that face doing to you? And this is my guess from a lot of you. You don't even see the face. You know why? Because he's in a throne way, 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 way up there. And you're down here and you're dying. You're dying. Your girlfriend dumped you. You didn't get into college. Or you didn't get the job you wanted. Or your job just cut you and now you're going to like lose your house. Something, okay? So you grow, like I told you, as you grow older, the, the deaths get worse, okay? That's, that's so, so that's such a cheerful thing to hear, right? <laughs> um, but it's true, okay? And, and then Jesus, when you're praying to Jesus, do you even see his face? Do you even see his face? He's up there. Okay, so you're like, I don't see his face. I don't even know if he hears me. <laughs> I don't even know if he hears me. Does he hear me? Nothing seems to ever happen. I'm just still dying down there. He's way, way, way up there because he's a king and he's God. And, you know, like, I don't have any access to king and God. Is that how you think? I'm glad he forgave me, on the, you know, for my sins. And, you know, I'll somehow muddle through this life. And then I'll, hopefully I'll get to heaven and, and I won't have, like, done too many bad sins. And somehow I've kind of like muddled around and made it through as a Christian. Is that how you think? I know a lot of you kind of feel that way. I can sense it, <laughs> having been your pastor for a number of years, right? Here's what union with Christ is. The, your Jesus, he always brings his death into your life. You know what his death is? His death is to take all our deaths onto his. That's why he came. He didn't come to be a billionaire. He didn't come to end up on a magazine cover. He didn't come to go on TV. He didn't come to like have like, you know, a million followers on, you know, like Twitter. He came so that all your dying, all your afflictions, he can say, put those on me. And then when I die, all your dying will die in my dying. That's union with Christ. It's really, really important. Many of us think of Jesus as he's up there. He did something 2,000 years ago, and then he's up there, and then like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm such like, you know, I'm a demonized Christian. I'm like barely making it through here. And so if I pray to him, he's not going to be nice to me. He's his face, I, don't, I never even see his face. Is that how you think? Many of you probably think like that. Now, let me tell you something. This is really important. When his face turns towards you, there'll always be love. There'll always be love. Why? Because every horrible thing you ever did, every horrible thing you ever thought, died with his death. It's gone. We carry in our body his death so that when he sees you, he's always happy. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Because you're always forgiven. 
You're always loved. You're always embraced. You're always accepted. His face isn't going to turn away. His face is going to look for you. His face is looking for you. Our faces aren't looking for his. But his face is looking for you. And if in your dying, you can be with him and say, let your dying swallow up my dying, you won't be crushed. You can just feel really bad and low. I know, because it happens. But remember this. If any of you ever get to a place that you want to kill yourself, any of you ever get to a place because somebody, like they fire you or your lover leaves you, and you're like, nobody loves me. I don't even love me. I hate me. Look to the face of Jesus and know that his death is in your death, swallowing up your deaths. It's real. It's, it's real. It's the biggest real thing in your life. It's real. It's so real. Okay, that's part one. Okay? Let's go to part two. All right. Afflicted to love. Um, I'll tell you something. Um, this, this passage says something even crazier than what I just said to you. The first thing I told you was really crazy. Second thing I'm going to tell you is crazier. It's uh, worse or better, depending on your, your per perspective. It's worse or better. You're like, how could, be, how could it be worse? All right, let's look at, let's look at the passage. Um, so here's, it says, verse 11. We who live... Okay, let's go back to verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. That's, I just gave you that great thing, union with Christ. In his death, that death will give you his life so you won't be crushed. All right, here we go. Verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And now here's this, now here's the, this, let's catch this little verse. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Death is at work in us, but life in you. What does that mean? Um, here's what it means. You know, the, you know what these apostles, some of the people were, this is what they were saying. This is like, it's almost like, I can almost hear the health and wealth people with the health and wealth heresy saying this to, uh, the, um, to Paul as a pastor. You must not be such a great pastor because the Romans hate you and threw you into prison. You, how do you have any like power in God because you've been whipped? You know, we've seen the scars on your back. How, you must not really be from God because the Jews hate your guts and they have a price on your head, right? You must not truly be from God because so many people hate your guts. That's really. So they're actually accusing him of this. You know what Paul's answer is? This is Paul's answer. This is Paul's answer. He says, I've been afflicted so you can have life. That's his answer. That's his answer. It's a weird, crazy weird answer. It's a really crazy weird answer. I think I'm making this up. Um, I want to take you to another passage. This is at the beginning of the same book, same letter. This letter has this theme running through it. So this is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. All right, here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. If you're afflicted, you need comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction, there's that word, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, did you, did you catch that? Not as we share a little bit in Christ's sufferings. As we share abundantly, as we share a lot, as we share overflowingly in sufferings that Christ has suffered, we're going to share in that suffering. As we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is, here we go, for your comfort. Isn't that weird? I've been afflicted, but my affliction is so you can have comfort. 
If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comfort, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in our comfort. What is all this saying? Let me, let me, let me say it this way. Um, you ever know anybody who's been, who ever went through something really terrible? Last week I told you about people who were abused. Um, someone who has went through wrenching self-hatred and guilt because she had had an abortion. You ever met anybody who, I mean, that's a kind of self-affliction, but then after that, there's just probably profound spiritual demonic, you know, accusation upon her. And without Jesus, how, you can, how can you deal with that? How can you deal with that? You have friends. You have coworkers. They've been ab abused. They've had abortions. They, are, um, they have self-hatred. They're depressed. They have insecurities. They go through life regularly. Regularly, every day. And of course, some of them are going to be in denial or avoidance or addiction or whatever because they don't have Jesus because inside they're dying so they got to have something. Give me a little life. A little, little, little bit of life because I'm dying. Now here's, if you've ever been around somebody who's, who's, who's got that much profound affliction, who can love them well? Let me ask you that question. Who can love them well? Hmm? The person who can love them well is the person who knows their affliction, right? The person who can love them well is the one who knows their pain. They've tasted that pain. But, like the other verse says, they're afflicted but not crushed. <laughs> afflicted but not crushed. I'm going to say something big to you now. God deliberately chose for some of you to receive the pain that you have. Some of it is because there's the general fallenness of all creation. So everybody's going to experience something bad. Everybody. And then again, and then and again, and then again. Everybody, okay? Everybody. So don't think you're going to get off. 100%, nobody gets off. 100%, we're all going to experience something. Now hopefully yours won't be as bad as other people. But if it is, and you think, God must hate me. Why, how could you possibly let this happen to me? God must hate me. <laughs> no. How do you know that? Because he gave the worst affliction possible ever to the one he loved the most, his son. And then, because of what his son did for us, then you and I can become sons and daughters of God, to be like the son. <laughs> now, okay, now okay, okay, this part's crazy now, right? He wants you to be like Jesus. So then you know what he does? Then he afflicts you like the way he afflicted Jesus. Why? <laughs> so you could love somebody else who desperately needs his love. That's why. So that even though we're clay and we're going through this horror-ridden world at times and we're dying and in that dying, he will come into our life and his dying will swallow up our dying and give us a comfort, as the Bible says. It'll give us a life. And then we will not be crushed. But then somewhere along, while it's happening, you're like, this is the most horrible thing ever. I can't believe I have to go through this. And you will probably scream and yell and be angry at God. But he loves you. Like, that's crazy. How can that happen? Like, because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so, it just feels horrible. It feels like he hates me. Don't trust your feelings. Do not trust your feelings. At that moment, your feelings are stupid. And worse, maybe from hell. If your feelings tell you God hates you, that's a lie from hell. When you're in that place, don't ever trust your feeling. If it contradicts the Bible, you should always not believe it. Just period. This is the most central truth and fact of your life, but he loves you. And then two years later, five years later, 10 years later, when you're in a much better place, you're going to meet somebody and they're going to have a really special pain. 
a searing, horrible, awful pain. You're afraid they might kill themselves after you say goodnight to them? That might be it. <laughs> but then you can speak and say, tell me what's going on. And they tell you. And you go, oh, well, I've gone through that. <laughs> They're going to go, what? Because everybody in their horror and their affliction, they feel alone. They feel absolutely alone. You know what they need? They need somebody else who knows them and was with them. And then they can say, and then they'll, because they won't believe anybody else. You get it? <laughs> somebody else will tell them, you'll be okay. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll be okay. You're <laughs> like, that's, that's BS. <laughs> but the person who has tasted their affliction, they're like, what? You know my pain. And they can tell you, how did you get over it? How did you do it? You're like, I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. I hope this doesn't sound cheap to you. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus carried me through that because he's a God of the cross. He's not up there going like, just make it through, I'll snowplow a little thing. That's, what, that's actually the God we want. <laughs> a lot of you, that's what you want Jesus to be. That's the health and wealth gospel. Health and wealth, like horrible lie. He's up there and he's like snowplow God, like gonna make your life all so good, right? Best life now, that horrible book, right? No, that's, a lot of us actually want that. There's no way he's gonna give that to you because he, cause you know why? Because he wants you to have a life so powerful just like Jesus, it could defeat death. But then, just like Jesus, since you have now had some power to be able to defeat death with his death and then his life, now you can offer that to somebody else. <laughs> and when you do, that love that you give, you know what love you're giving? You're not giving your love. Oh, that's not your love. That's divine love. That's God's love. You will know that is a love that just pours straight out of the cross. It's a supernatural love from God. It's like the cross love inside of you is going to somebody else. And it's literally going to save them from hell. It may be the best thing you ever do in your life. It could literally be the best thing you ever do in your life. And you will be a glorious, glorious lover of other people, just like Jesus. That's what God wants to do in you. Like, I don't know if I want that. That sounds too scary. But don't you, let me, let me, let me put, put it slightly differently. Don't you want to go through life and it does not matter what affliction comes. It does not matter what affliction comes. You know that Jesus will be there with you and his death and then his life can defeat it. And then wouldn't it be great that when you're with all your friends and your family and they're dying, they're dying, <laughs> that you can give them something. Better than money, better than ice cream. <laughs> That's what I give my kids when they're down. <laughs> you want some ice cream? Because <laughs> that's, that's what I like. <laughs> when I'm down, I eat ice cream. <sighs> Just shove that stuff in my, shove it down, right? But better give them Jesus. Um, brothers and sisters, you know, you, uh, people won't give you their dying unless you show them you're dying. <laughs> Last week, I talked about glorious vulnerability. Will you please go to GLF and don't talk about shallow things. Talk about this. <laughs> if you do, we're going to see some incredible stuff poured out of this church. And don't you want to be in a community where you could be loved like that? You're like, I don't know if I could love like that, but I sure want to be loved like that. <laughs> if you have one friend in your life who will love you like that, man, you are so blessed. I don't know if it'll be me. <laughs> you're supposed to love me like that because you're, you're the pastor. I'm like, uh, I, I will try. <laughs> I will try. Um, but I, I, I might not be able to love you the best, but I will try. 
But actually, there's no one pastor that could do it. It takes a church. When you go hang out with your friends, why don't you sometimes tell them about your vulnerability? <laughs> Try it. See what comes out. Watch what comes out. Watch what comes out. They're going to be like, what? What? <laughs> and next thing you know, you think you're talking, it's a two-way conversation. Next thing you know, it's like God is in that conversation and exciting things are going to happen. I'm not kidding. Let me close my message this way. Um, wait a second, I'm trying to do this off my iPad. <laughs> um, helping others defeat their deaths and loss with the bigger treasure of Christ. I'll just tell you a story in close. Not long ago, um, I was texting uh, with, uh, with a brother that I'm a, um, whom I love, and I love his wife too. Um, you know, he and his wife are Christians. And, um, and uh, you know, they live in another city and uh, some, you know, something, I don't, I don't know if you guys do this, but this, sometimes I'm just, you know, driving along and then somehow some, someone there, there just comes to me. Something about someone just comes to me. I'm like, oh, I wonder why they're doing I used to just think, well, that's an interesting thought. I wonder how they're doing. Okay, let's just go on with my day. <laughs> that's, that's what I used to do, <laughs> right? That's what I used to do. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of stupid. Maybe like uh, God is doing something. Well, maybe God is not doing something. And you just, you know, maybe it was just, you know, the hamburger that you ate made you think about that person. I don't know, all right? <laughs> it's possible. But now I go, it could be the Lord. I texted this brother who lives in another city. And... Um, his career's going great. His wife's career's going great. It's all great. So I'm like, oh, so cool. I'm so happy for you. Cool, cool. Blah, 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 you know. Next thing you know, tells me my wife had a miscarriage. And um, it was their first pregnancy. And um, as a pastor, like immediately, I'm like in a good mood. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. here you go. <laughs> right? And then immediately, I'm like, ah! <laughs> and then I texted one. I was just forget it. So then I, I just called him right away. Huh. I called him, and we talked about this. I, I, as soon as I knew this, I was, uh, and then I said, "Is it? Do you think your, your wife would be willing to talk to me? She knows me." And then, so then it became a three-way talk, and we wept. You know, I, um, and, I, and I told them, my wife had a miscarriage. It was not easy. I told them other things. My mom had a miscarriage before me. My mom had a miscarriage after me. Right? And I said, you are not far from God. Don't you ever believe that. And we prayed over the phone. And all three of us, we wept over the phone. <laughs> it was a common piece of pain, but it's a horrendous piece of pain. <laughs> you know? Sometimes, um, I don't know, it's just strange how it goes. Sometimes the wife she just can't get over it. Sometimes it's the husband. He just can't get over it. I have another friend, and um, his, after his wife had a miscarriage, and then after his uh, like, uh, 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 sister-in-law had a miscarriage, he was angry at God for 10 years. Um, and then... Ten years of that darkness. Can you imagine? And then the gospel just kept plugging away until the death of Jesus swallowed up all his anger in his darkness. And now he's back. <laughs> he's back to joy and love and life through Christ. That's our treasure. And brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this story to you because I'm like, it's, there's, there's no boast in it. There's just no boast. 
We had an affliction. We tasted a pain. Jesus was with us through it. And we offered Jesus in that pain to someone we loved. Will you please do that? Will you live in that? And if you do, you'll be doing something really glorious and incredible. And if our church is like that, regardless of the size of our church, we'll be a beautiful and glorious church. People will see the glory of God in the face of Jesus through you and through me. Let's pray. It's a astounding word. It is a frightening word, Lord Jesus. Would all your life and all your courage burn up our fears? This is the truth. The truth is that this life and whatever we're going through is the worst hell that we will ever taste. Because with you, there's only upside. There's only hope. There's life and forgiveness and glory. And your face shines on us. Your love, your grace, your mercy, your courage, your persistence, your steadfast, steadfast love, even when we are dying, even when we're angry, even when we're depressed, even when we feel hopeless, you are not hopeless for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May we be a people, though we are clay, this treasure of you, Jesus, can never be forgotten. And may revive church, revive people, dying people, <laughs> through the treasure in our clay. We love you, we honor you in Jesus' name.